You're listening to Hardwired with Jeff Wickwire. Here's what's coming up in today's edition. This ought to be your first memory verse following John 3:16. Wear it around your neck, brand it on your memory, emblazon it on your heart. You are saved by grace alone. Now, let me ask you a question, and I'm not going to linger long here, but here I go. If you're saved by grace, why do some believe you've got to keep your salvation by works? If you didn't get it by works, you don't keep it by works. You're kept by grace. In your walk with Jesus, have you ever doubted your place in heaven? In today's message, Pastor Jeff wants you to know that when you let Jesus lead your life, you're saved by His perfect grace. Stake your claim in eternity and transform your life through His promises. There's nothing you can do that will separate you from the inheritance that God has in store for you. Be set free by His divine promises. No matter how great your life is going, God's plans will always serve to have the best in store for you. Well, let's join Pastor Jeff in the book of Galatians chapter 1 as he continues his message, Introduction to Galatians. He begins verse 3 with his favorite word, which is grace, followed by his second favorite word, which is peace. Let's read verse 3 together, can we? Grace to you and peace from God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. The order is on purpose because you don't have God's peace until you've had God's grace. When you receive God's grace, peace follows. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. The battle is over. It's over when you come to Christ and he forgives you. The battle with God, which we're all involved in, B.C., is over. We have peace with God through Jesus Christ. Now, where do peace and grace come from? He says, God our Father and his Son, Jesus Christ. Simple grace, saving grace, undeserved sovereign favor and grace proceed from God and Jesus Christ, his son, to deliver us, quote, according to his will. All the initiative in our salvation comes from above, not from us. I like to say sometimes, dead people don't seek God. And the Bible says we were dead in our trespasses and sins. So dead people don't seek God. It's really kind of wrong if we get up and say, well, you know what? Praise God. Last night, I found the Lord. You never found the Lord. He found you. Because you were dead. You know what dead people do? They lay there. Dead. And they don't get up and seek anything. God, by grace, came knocking on the door of your heart. He quickened you by his spirit. He convicted you of sin when you didn't know you were in sin. He showed you the reality of the sacrifice of his son. When you got saved, it was all the doing of God. Yes, you had to repent, but God's the one that came knocking. God's the one that came seeking. God's the one that came finding. So we owe it all to him. According to his will, all the initiative was on the part of God. Now, verses 4 and 5 Here's what he says, who gave himself, talking about Jesus, who gave himself for our sins, that he might deliver us from this present evil world. According to the will of our God and Father, to whom be glory forever and ever, amen. Now the word deliver, when it says God delivered us, means to rescue from danger 
a while back, we have a little chihuahua who, who thinks that Kathy is Jesus. Because every time she comes home, he goes on a barking fit, which is his form of Handel's Messiah. Hallelujah. Every time she walks in the door, when I walk in, he doesn't even look up. But when she walks in, it's Jesus came. Jesus came back every single time. Now, one day I just happened to be walking. We have a little fountain out back. And one day I just happened to be walking by the door that's glass. And I looked out just in time to see it was fall and the leaves had fallen on top of this fountain so that it looked like a ground. And I looked just out of my peripheral vision. I just happened to see Poppy, that's his name, Poppy, fall in. He thought the leaves were ground. He just went walking right on and bloop, he was gone. Bloop, right underneath. And it was freezing cold. I yelled. And it was one of those things where you're running, but it's all slow motion. Oh, no. You know the feeling, right? Because you can't get there fast enough. And I ran up to that fountain and seemed to me like by the time I got there, he'd been under there forever. And his little nose was sticking up. and You could see it in his eyes. I'm gone. I'm a goner. But see, here's what happened. I rescued him from certain destruction. He could never have gotten out on his own. It could never have happened. I had to see him. I had to go to him. I had to reach my hand in and pull him out of a horrible pit, out of the miry clay, and set his feet on a rock, and establish his goings, and put a new song in his mouth. <laughs> Even praise unto our God. Many shall see it and fear and trust in the Lord. If you want to know what deliver means, that's what it means. So you were sinking, friend. You were under. You were dead. You were perishing. You were hellbound. And the Lord said, I see you. He ran to you. He died on the cross for you. He rose from the dead for you. He came knocking on the door of your heart by the Holy Ghost for you. He sought you out in the deepest, darkest corners of your sinful lifestyle. He found you. He pulled you up out of that horrible pit of sin and destruction, filled you with his Holy Spirit, really did put a new song in your mouth, and none of it had to do with you because you couldn't do anything to save yourself. That's the same thing. To rescue from danger, deliver. The word evil, he rescued us not just from danger, but from an evil world. Evil comes from the Greek word poneros. We get pornography from that word, poneros. It means evil. And it carries the idea of labor and pain and sorrow and malignant evil. That's what it means. He, he delivered us. Matter of fact, I put it down here. The word for world, let's look at it. The world he saved us from is not God's beautiful creation, but it's ion. It means age. And in other words, Jesus came to rescue us from this present age of malignant evil, an age controlled by its God, Satan. Satan is the God of the world system that we're in right now that is so filled with evil the lust of the eye, lust of the flesh, the boastful pride of life, this world, this age, the culture that we're in 
is a toxic culture. It is a toxic, evil culture because the devil is the God of the culture of the age. 2 Corinthians 4, 4 says, whose minds, talking about people, whose minds the God of this age has blinded, who do not believe, lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine on them. What does the enemy do? He blinds people's minds. They can't see the truth. I mean, you've all experienced talking to somebody about Jesus, and for some reason, they just can't see it. There's a veil there. They don't get it. I went through that for years and years with my father, and I've experienced it with so many people, and I experience it every week as I preach to the crowds that come. I can, I can always spot people who I can tell just aren't getting it. There's a blindness. And that's the enemy's job, to blind. And he's the God of this world. Now, next, Paul gets right to it, the reason for his letter, verse 6. I marvel that you are so soon removed from him who called you in the grace of Christ to another gospel. Now, pay real close attention to that, the last two words, another gospel. He says, I'm shocked. I can't believe you've been led astray so quickly to another gospel. He's shocked. He's disappointed. The word marvel, when he says, I marvel at this, carries with it the idea of surprise, at the unexpected, the news of the defection of the Galatians seems to have taken Paul off guard. He had left them in good shape. Folks, they had embraced another gospel, not the gospel of Christ. They had been robbed away, lured away, enticed and seduced away from the real, saving, simple gospel. And Paul says, I just can't believe it. I can't believe this has happened. Now, their assemblies had been left in the care of hand-picked elders. Think about that. Uh, they had been well taken care of. Hand-picked elders were, were left in charge of this church. It was not a mere handful uh, that had been led astray. But the Galatians' wholesale abandonment of the truth. They had been hornswoggled. They were in dangerous territory. And Paul is shocked about it. The phrase when he says so soon, how did this happen so soon? Comes from a word suggesting the defection had been hasty, a step taken without thought, and they jumped without searching the scriptures, which I always tell you to do. I always encourage you to do. If you hear something, check the scriptures to see if it's true. How often do we see people Immediately swallowing something that is false, that is erroneous, because the, the person who's saying it to them is charismatic, or because it initially sounds good to them, and they bite the bait. Same thing, they jumped. They just jumped. They said, well, that sounds good. Gosh, why didn't Paul tell us that? And they swallowed the bait, and they got lured away, and they were no longer resting in grace only. The Galatians had only recently been evangelized. They were essentially newborns. The good seed had hardly barely taken root, had hardly come to fruit. And that last, they drifted from sound doctrine. What did they jump to? They jumped to another gospel. Now, remember when Jesus talked about the wheat and the tares, and he said, tares are going to grow up right next to the wheat, and only God is going to separate the tares from the wheat in the final judgment 
and the tares are going to be bundled together and burned, and the wheat is going to be carried into life everlasting, the wheat being the true believers and the tares being the false. Remember that? If you know anything about wheat and tares, you know that tares growing up next to wheat look just like wheat until it's full grown. And then you can tell certain differences. But for the most part, when you look at wheat and tares together, they look just the same. But they're not the same. One's real, one's phony. One's right, one's wrong. One's good and one is bad. Now, the terror was another gospel. He then adds in verse 7, which is not another. Now, that's the second use of the word another. Mark that. Which is not another, but there are some who trouble you. And what do they want to do with the gospel of Christ? Pervert it. They want to pervert it. And folks, please believe me when I tell you, not everything on Christian TV is Christian. I'm going to step out and say that one more time. Not everything on Christian TV is Christian or sound or good doctrine or wholesome. Let me put it another way. On Christian TV, there are tares. And it's about time we got smart and started looking and, and not just because somebody is charismatic or has a name or looks good on TV. We're not supposed to gravitate to looks or to charisma. We're supposed to gravitate to truth. And so just because they sound right, look right, doesn't mean they are right. We got to wise up and say, wait a minute. Now, I, I heard what you said. Let me check out the word and see if what you just said is true. And you'll find that not everything that says is Christian is, is Christian. Now, there are some Christians that are on Christian TV, but there are some terrors too. And boy, are they terrors. Now, and they, want, and they do pervert the gospel of Christ. Now, the first another that Paul uses in verse 6, let me go back real quick. When he says in verse 6, if I can find it, and I'm not going to be able to find it, but that's okay. The first another, you have been taken away to another gospel. Paul uses in verse 6 is the Greek word heteros. That's the word for another. Heteros, meaning another of a different kind. His second use of another in verse 7 is the word alas, meaning another of the same kind. So you could have another of a totally different kind or another of the same kind. Now, which another was Paul talking about when he said another gospel? It was heteros, a totally different kind, not the same species, not cut from the same cloth, a totally different gospel, heteros. Paul is saying that the false gospel they had embraced was utterly unlike Christ's gospel. It was a gospel of a totally different kind. He says, I'm astonished that you have so soon switched to a heteros, another, a gospel of a totally different kind. It is not the gospel of Christ. It's not the same species. It's not of the same ilk. It's, it's different, totally different. And I want to suggest to you that right now, you can turn on a Christian TV or Christian radio, and I'm on Christian radio. 
You, you can pick up certain books in Christian bookstores. You can go to Christian bookseller conventions. And I guarantee you there are books that are preaching a gospel of a totally different kind. You couldn't get saved reading it. You couldn't get born again reading it. You couldn't come to know Christ reading it. It's a totally different kind. The gospel of the Judaizers was so radically different from uh, what Paul preached that it was no gospel at all. The false teachers had perverted the true gospel. The word for pervert means to transform something into something of the opposite character. When you pervert something, you take something that is one way and you totally transform it into something completely different that God did not intend. Can I be bold enough as long as I'm being bold tonight? Good example would be this same-sex marriage issue. God gave us, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife. Today, there is an attempt to pervert that and make marriage something of a totally different kind that God never intended. Okay? So you can take something good that God made and then you change it. You, you twist it. You skew it until it's unrecognizable from what God intended. This gospel these Judaizers were preaching was unrecognizable as the original gospel. So Paul is shocked. How could you believe this? Paul preached that salvation was full and free. All of the doing had been done. The Judaizers were preaching bad news. You have to keep the law. You have to be circumcised. And you have to keep the Sabbath. You have to earn your salvation. Paul labels this, say it with me, perversion. Anything that tells you that your salvation depends on more than grace is a perversion. Now, next, Paul is going to release some of the strongest language found in the New Testament. <laughs> That's why I like Paul. He wasn't worried about what people thought about what he said. Usually in Scripture, the strongest language is reserved for the murderer, the adulterer, you know, the extortioner, you name it. But now Paul pours out a divinely inspired barrage of condemnation against these Judaizers that were perverting the gospel or anyone else who propagates false doctrine. And he says, verse 8 and 9, but even if we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel to you than what we have preached to you, let him be, say it with me, accursed. The word anathema. Let him be accursed. Now, he didn't stop there. He wanted to be sure they got it. So he says it again. As we have said before, so now I say again, if anyone preaches any other gospel to you than what you have received, let him be accursed. Wow. Strong stuff. Let him be accursed. Very strong language. Here's what it means. May the divine curse rest upon him. Ooh, that makes you want to be real sure you're preaching grace. Because if you're not preaching grace, that you're saved only by grace through faith, that not of yourselves, not of any works, lest you should boast about it, but it's all of him and none of you. If you're not preaching that, Paul's words are reaching down through the centuries. They fall right on you. Let him be cursed. Now, I don't know about you, but the last thing I want is to be under a curse. I want to be under a blessing. Anybody in here 
Agree with me? I want to be under a blessing. So when I preach the gospel, I say, hey, you're saved by grace through faith. Now, works come later, but works don't get you saved. Works show that you are saved. That's all. But no work saves you. The curse of God rests on the man, the woman, or the evil spirit who preaches another gospel. John wrote in the Revelation, quote, And I solemnly declare to everyone, this is the end of the book of Revelation, the very end. I solemnly declare to everyone who hears the words of the prophecy written in this book, if anyone adds anything to what is written here, God will add to that person the plagues described in this book. And if every, anyone removes any of the words from this book of prophecy, God will remove that person's share in the tree of life, uh-oh, and in the holy city that are described in this book. So if you want to get in big trouble with God, preach something other than saved by grace through faith. Say with me, saved by grace. Through faith, not of any works. Let's try it one more time because this is Paul's passion. Are you ready? Saved by grace through faith, not of works. Grace is free, undeserved favor. I could have looked at Poppy and said, it's been real. But I freely ran out in the freezing cold, freely reached down in that freezing water. Okay? Now, why is Scripture so harsh on this issue? Because the souls of men and women hang in the balance of an accurately preached gospel. If the gospel is twisted and changed, the listener will not respond to the saving of his soul. Jesus died on the cross, suffering unimaginably that we might be saved. To take away from this message is a slap in the face of God. To tamper with so great salvation is to tamper with the eternal destiny of a soul. Paul feels it so strongly that he says it twice. So if you're lost and I say to you, well, yeah, you can be saved, come to Jesus, but you're going to have to do this, this, and this along with grace to be saved. I'm in trouble because that's not true. You don't have to do a thing. Just as I am without one plea. Now, any kind of teaching that minimizes salvation through grace alone is another gospel of a totally different kind, a gospel of a totally different kind. The purveyor of the message shall be accursed. If you look at the cults, they all have one thing in common. I challenge you to show me a cult that doesn't. That is, they all require that you've got to do something in order to earn your salvation. Works righteousness. Every one of the cults, Jehovah's Witnesses, Mormons, Hinduism, Buddhism, Islam. You got to do something. And if you don't do certain things, you will not be saved. Christianity stands completely alone among the religions of the world in its message by grace and grace alone. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It's the gift of God, not of works. Lest anyone should boast. As a Christian, this ought to be your first memory verse following John 3 16. Wear it around your neck, brand it on your memory, emblazon it on your heart. You are saved by grace alone. Now, let me ask you a question, and I'm not going to linger long here, but here I go. If you're saved by grace, why do some believe you've got to keep your salvation by works? If you didn't get it by works, you don't keep it by works. You're kept 
by grace. No good deed can be done should you live to be a thousand years old that could ever save you. It's all by grace alone. In your walk with Christ, have you ever doubted your place in eternity? When life isn't going well, it's easy to get bogged down by the burdens of this world. In today's message from Pastor Jeff, we learned that if you want to experience spiritual renewal in your faith, you need to fixate your gaze on heaven. The lies of this world will always seek to bring you down. Be assured in your place in eternity through God's free gift of grace. Let Him take on your toughest battles. If you have questions or comments about what you've heard today, we'd like to know. You can call or text us at the following number and share your thoughts. That number to text is 817-484-4767. Once again, that's 817-484-4767. Thanks for being a part of this ministry and helping it continue to be an encouraging and uplifting resource for you and others. In your walk with Jesus, have you been insecure about where you stand in Christ? Have you ever felt unworthy to live out God's calling over your life? Next time, Pastor Jeff wants you to know that if Jesus is in your life, you need to stay strong for the work of God's kingdom. Your plans for your life will never satisfy the way that God's plans do. Surrender yourself to Christ and invest in eternity. God wants nothing more than to give you the inheritance you deserve. There's more Pastor Jeff has to share from the book of Galatians, so be sure to join us again. If you missed any part of today's teaching, you can find it online at hardwired.org. We're so glad we could be part of your day today, and we pray you've been blessed by today's edition of Hardwired.